1: From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both
0: certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time.
1: It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. Erica and I discovered Ned when co-founder Adrian Zimmerman was a guest on our show. We were both really impressed with the products after trying them. One of the things that really stood out to both of us was the transparency of the brand. Ned actually shares third-party lab results, who their farmers are, and details of the extraction process directly with their consumers. We strive to be informed consumers and Ned makes the process really accessible. I have become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's natural cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. So Erica, what's your favorite? My
0: favorite NED product is definitely their full-spectrum hemp oil, and I personally use the 750-milligram tincture. When I consistently take it, I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood. In addition to the tincture, I also really love applying the hemp-infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed. It helps me relax, soothes aches and pains, and allows me to wind down at the end of the day ned is also now offering an immunity blend tincture that we are consistently taking this blend naturally supports our immune system and combines botanicals herbs and fungi to offer functional immune support 100 percent of profits are also donated to EcoHealth alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation if you want to check out ned and try their products and their cbd for yourself we have a special offer for the courageous wellness audience go to www.helloned.com slash cwpodcast. That's h-e-l-l-o-n-e-d.com slash cwpodcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products. We have an exciting new discount for our listeners with Four Sigmatic.
1: Erica uses the Lion's Mane in her morning superfood coffee. And even though I hate mushrooms, I absolutely love the products, especially the matcha latte powder, which contains my mushrooms and adaptogens. For 10% off Four Sigmatic products, visit foursigmatic.com and use the code COURAGEOUS at checkout. And there's also a direct link in our show notes. Hi, everyone. Uh, we are doing one of our... Friday solo episodes today, just me and Erica. And we have um, a really sort of interesting concept that she and I have been discussing quite a bit lately um, that we want to go over and talk about and define today. And that is the difference between self medicating, self soothing, and self care. And then the idea of self love, um, kind of as a result of. Examining these three concepts, so I don't know. You want to start like you want to start by should we define them? Yeah, I was going to say I'm really excited to go into this today because
0: Allie and I for the last month have been talking about I think the really subtle differences between the three and how you know we can feel like we're practicing self care, but we might be self soothing or self medicating. It's very interesting and very subtle. So, yeah, let's define them. Would you like to start, Allie?
1: And some of these are like flat out pulled from the dictionary. So, here we go. (laughs) To self medicate, choose and take medicines oneself rather than by prescription or on expert advice. Take addictive or habituating drugs to relieve stress or other conditions. Really, the act of consuming something in order to get relief of a certain condition or feeling.
0: Yeah. And I think even right, like, so to choose and take medicines or, you know, to self-medicate, I think obviously I'm sure what comes to mind for so many of us are like drugs and alcohol, but at least for myself, uh, food has been something I have self-medicated with. And um, I know we've talked so much about emotional eating on this podcast, but yeah, we'll go into that more when we compare and contrast the three. But I, I just want to mention, I think food or shopping, or sex, or X,
1: Y, and Z can also be self-medicating as well. Right. It's almost like taking anything, which could be a normal good thing, and using it as medication. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the next one is self-soothe. And this, of course, from the dictionary, um, it says, of a young child, especially one left to fall asleep on their own, (laughs) stop crying without being comforted by a parent or caregiver. Comfort oneself when unhappy or distressed. And so the way I defined it was the act of participating in a behavior for comforting oneself due to unhappy feelings or feelings of distress.
0: Yes. And for me to elaborate on that as well, like I struggle, right, with codependency, which I've talked about on the podcast, and I've done a lot of work on through um, therapy and my Buddhist practice. But I think sometimes, too, like for me, when I've really fallen into codependent behaviors, I can self-soothe by putting someone else's needs before my own or before your own, you know, and I feel like that ends up being something that's just so subtly out of integrity because you're lacking the boundaries, right, to, um, mm. to put your needs first, right? Because if you're dependent or codependent, it's all about, you know,
1: creating almost, a certain way. Yeah. And I think creating almost like a fake harmony, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that's definitely a subtlety. I don't know that I would have recognized. Um, Okay. And then the third is self-care, which is defined from the dictionary as the practice of taking action to preserve or improve one's own health. The practice of taking an active role in protecting one's own well-being and happiness, in particular during periods of stress. And so I really define it as the practice of taking an action to better your own health, especially in periods of stress.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. And I really
0: think, you know, again, and then we can go deeper just to add on to the last one. I think the difference between that like codependent self-soothing or that self-soothing that isn't self-care for me, you know, self-care doesn't always feel good. And I think that's something that we can explore more in this conversation, but true and real self-care can sometimes feel not so good because, you know, to contrast the last one, if you're living in integrity, if you have healthy boundaries, if you're putting yourself first, people don't always like that and that might not feel good, right? I think uh, the holistic psychologist on Instagram really talks about how having good boundaries and really taking care of yourself if you haven't practiced it, right? Some people practice it their whole life. So they're like, what are you talking about? But if you don't practice that, it can feel like you're dying when you start to practice it. Because you're, you're, if your life is about putting other people's needs before your own, choosing yourself is like, it doesn't feel good, even though it's, it's true self-care.
1: Right, and and even if you look at it in the most sort of simplistic level, this is what this is what actually woke me up to this concept, or like the differences between these things. You know, it may feel good when you've had a stressful day to go for that drink to take the edge off. Yeah. Um, but it may not feel good when you've had a stressful day to like get up off the couch and go for a nice walk it may, you may feel intense resistance. you you may feel sluggish, but you know that at the end of that walk, it did something good for you, your heartbeat, your body, your mind, you know, released endorphins, you got some fresh air. And so the result is something that betters your own mental, physical, probably emotional health but you didn't want to do it. It didn't feel good to start doing it. It wasn't something you desired to do. Mm-hmm. It would have felt better in the moment to have that drink, to soothe, to take the edge off. But both of those can r- relieve stress. It's just one is uh, one in that moment could feel like You could feel deep resistance to because it's going to be the more difficult choice, but ultimately have maybe a more positive outcome for your health overall. But it's like you could choose the immediate thing, but after that you may feel worse from the dip of the drink so that's a self soothe versus a self care in that moment just in that scenario well absolutely and i think it
0: really reminds me because in our last our august solo it was a q and a one of the questions that we got was about like how do you develop like consistent practice right or consistent daily routine consistent self care and it's not i think that's why it's so it's so interesting because we struggle because again, self-care is not inherently easy and it's a muscle that we have to practice. And I think it can get confused with because sometimes, right, numbing out in front of the TV or having some ice cream or having the drink is can be self-care, right? Like that's why it's so subtle. That can be yeah. self-care once in a while. But if it becomes a habitual pattern where you're eating that pint of ice cream every night because you don't want to deal with the emotions you're feeling. You're sitting in front of the TV, watching hours of Netflix because you don't want to feel how you're feeling or having a, having drinks every night because you don't want to feel how you're feeling. That's really different than, you know, tonight, I'm going to go eat the ice cream and numb out in front of the TV. And that's my choice of self-care. But how you notice the difference is because if you're constantly challenging yourself to have a self-care practice that is not easy, you will then learn to develop knowing the difference between this drink, this pint of ice cream, this TV numb on the couch is actually self-care tonight and not ignoring my feelings. And it's not easy. And I think like for me difficult self-care practices and maybe we can share like some of our difficult self-care practices because for me, I know to set myself up to deal with my feelings and to deal with hard moments and to bring up again, I'm sorry, I bring it up on every podcast lately, but Robert Yang's bucket analogy, right? Like we all have these buckets. If this is your first episode, you could go listen to that episode but we all have these buckets of, you know, before we get sick. He, he described it as before we get um, sick with disease or illness. He said, imagine that you have a bucket that can only get filled to a certain point. And once it tips over, that's disease, that's illness. And the bucket gets filled to the top with stressors, with triggers that are often out of our control, right? Because we can't control what's happening to us in the world with everything. So in order to keep our buckets from tipping over when a stressor happens, we have to practice self-care and take care of ourselves. So I think about that all the time. And for me, how I do that is I have to journal. I have to read. Reading is a really healthy escape for me of self-care. I have to chant twice a day and I have to go to therapy because I'm learning in therapy because i've i've struggled with codependency because i emotionally eat it's way easier for me to self-soothe and self-soothe and self-medicate like my favorite thing <laughs> in the world to do just to be really honest is like there's nothing i love more than like eating cheese on the couch and watching bad tv like that's amazing and sometimes it's necessary but there have been times of stress where i find myself like eating a pack of cheese in a couple days because I'm, I'm self-medicating, right? Like that's me yeah. self-medicating. And those are usually times when I'm not journaling, I'm not reading. Maybe I'm only chanting five minutes. Um, maybe I didn't go to therapy that week. Maybe I didn't go on my walk. Movement is a really important self-care for me. Um, or I didn't do an at-home workout. And it's interesting because I, of course I enjoy doing all those things I mentioned, But we're human beings who enjoys like some days you just don't want to do it. And again, that's okay sometimes, but self-care that leads to long-term health and wellness, it is a muscle you have to practice. And so I do try to prioritize probably at least four or five days a week. No, probably five days a week on average, I have to do all of those things I mentioned in order to set myself up. So maybe one or two days, like, you know, yeah. I can self-soothe a little bit, and that's okay. But I'm I'm not self-soothing five days a week and only taking care of myself two days a week, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um, you know what's interesting? I, I saw this thing recently. It was a guy who, I, I can't remember his name, um, it was, like, on the internet, and he had lost I'm just going to use this as an example. He had, he was like close to 600 pounds. Wow. And he had lost, it was like five something and he got, he's now like 215 pounds and he's very, very athletically fit now. But he did this sort of talk and, and I, I was watching it. I was really interested in it. Obviously I've never had that kind of experience. I, um, but I'm, I was just fascinated by his journey and, and what his like sort of point of view on, on his experience has been. And he said, listen, we can't avoid pain and suffering in our life. The only thing we can do is choose our pain and suffering. And I thought that was really interesting. And he meant it in the context of when he was struggling with, um, the health repercussions of his weight being that heavy. Um, he was saying my back, I was in so much pain. When I would go to Disney world, I I couldn't walk more than like a hundred steps without just excruciating back pain, excruciating foot pain. And he said, that was my pain and suffering. He goes now, then he was talking about his workout stuff that he does and he's really fell, fallen in love with it. But he goes, to be honest, I really don't want to do it sometimes. He goes, it's, it causes a different level. And he's talking about physical pain and suffering, but he meant it metaphorically, right? He said, "I, my muscles are sore. I drag to get there mm. sometimes. I, it hurts, but he goes, but that pain and suffering has taught me that I will be most likely, I will have better of a chance to be around longer and spend more time with my family and my kids than this pain and suffering. Mm. It's still both pain and suffering and all people ha- are going to experience a level of pain and suffering in, in, in some capacity. Maybe it's not a physical journey. Maybe it's something else. But I think he was just using that as a metaphor by choosing this pain and suffering in this moment. I know I will have like a wonderful outcome and that's why I choose this one versus choosing this one because it, it's sort of equal in the sense of pain and suffering. Absolutely. And I was
0: going to say it. it made me... I'd love to ask you a question and we can explore this, but do you think that's why self-care can be so hard, right? Like why is self-care so hard, right? It's because, and I think this is a cultural issue. It's, I I can only speak to American culture. I know we have listeners all over the world, but I feel like in this country, we avoid pain and suffering suffering. so much and grief and feeling our feelings. And we don't want to face ourselves. Yeah. And the ugly stuff. And inherently self-care is about dealing, dealing with your stuff. And again, like that can be right. I think again, that's why like self-care can get such an eye roll because people think it's like massages or manicures and that it can be right. But it's so much deeper than that because sometimes, right, it's like you said, it's, it's choosing the walk or even choosing the massage over whatever your natural tendency would be to avoid feeling your feelings.
1: Right. And and we've discussed also on the show too, like the origins. I mean, self-care, I think, goes back in so many different cultures for thousands of years, this concept, yep. but really the contemporary concept of self-care was um really established by and for black women in the 70s. Audrey yep. Lorde talked about it as a radical act, and for that community, it was because they were not and can still be argued that still like not being taken care of, not only not being taken care of by society, being oppressed, treated like the worst of the worst and not given the resources. So to do self care in that context, as she said, was a radical act, a political act to truly, you know, love yourself or, or, or dedicate, say like, Hey, I am worth it. And it's, it's a, it's standing up to a society that has not, you know, treated black women as worth it.
0: Yeah. And if you want to learn more about that too, we did an episode with Jordan McCrary of Juices and Berries about her personal journey, but also the origins of self-care. And so you can check out that episode as well. And as you were saying that too, it reminded me of, right, like as we go into then, like what is self-love, right? Like, because self-care and self-love, I feel like are Two hands holding each other, um, but it's interesting, and it reminded me too, because right now, especially I mean if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in wellness, and in the wellness world, there's so much going on right about um, diet culture, uh, yeah, the poisons of diet culture, which
1: we know we we know and, of. and specifically we're not going to get we're not going to get too specific, but specifically brands mm-hmm. <laughs> current brands um, that are being called out for perpetuating it now, not just like generally, we know the general issue of diet culture. Absolutely. And like last generation and basically like
0: encouraging and promoting eating disorders, making people sick, um, you know, caring more, right. The the diet industry is a multi multi multi-billion dollar industry that, um, can be argued, you know, cares more about making money than our health. And especially now with the internet and social media there's so much profit to be made off of people's inherent insecurities and yeah. lack of self love right and so i think again it's it's such a complicated conversation because um and i'm so fascinated with um and believe in health at every size and i believe in anti diet culture i don't believe in diets i don't believe in one size fits all but i also believe there is a way you can want to change your body or want to reach a goal or want to make some sort of change in your life that doesn't have to be inherently negative. But it comes from, I think, this this fusion of true self-care and true self-love. Because as we've mentioned many times on this podcast, if you don't have that, you'll, you'll quote lose the weight. And still be miserable. You'll get your dream job and still be miserable. You'll have the relationship and still be miserable because you're still the same. You're just in a smaller body or a newer relationship or, you know, a different job. Exactly. But you're still the same. And so, again, that's why it's like, I truly believe exploring these subtleties between self-medicating, self-soothing and self-care, and then really cultivating a self-care practice is so unbelievably crucial. And so Ali, what are two, cause I know I mentioned mine, but like for you, what are some like, and this is a question we ask all our guests, but like what are your self-care non-negotiables and yeah. how did you cultivate them too? Like how did you, get to a place where you were able to discover what you needed to do to, you know, lessen the self-soothing, the Mm. self-medicating and really focusing on the self-care?
1: Honestly, I I think I've been really thinking about this lately, having had some sort of more um, family and personal heightened stress lately. I think it ebbs and flows based on what your current circumstances are. But for me, there are certain things like my chanting, like my Buddhist practice is really important to me, regardless of if it's like a great day or a particularly stressful time. You know, it's funny. I dig in to it more intensely in times of stress, which is, is, but it's always there for me. And it's a part of my sort of like daily um, self-care from a spiritual perspective, um, I cooking, eating real food is really a non-negotiable for me. Like, no matter where I go, no matter the traveling I have to do, I now am at the point where I set myself up for, of course, it's going to be different if I'm traveling somewhere, or that's not as relevant today in like the year of COVID, but like I traveled a ton prior to that, making sure I have access to real fresh food so that I don't rely on a ton of processed food because I know that doesn't make me feel good. Mm-hmm. I know ultimately, it, and this for me is not about the way I look. This is, I've gotten to the point where the food stuff is about the way I feel. It has a direct impact on my blood sugar, my my brain chemistry, my energy level. I can't show up if I don't properly fuel myself. And it's like, okay, whatever, a meal here, a day here, whatever. It's not going to be the same when you're on the road. I had uh, a road trip, you know, not too long ago where I'm pretty sure I ate like a sandwich every day (laughs) for, for at least once a meal, like a big sandwich, like a sub sandwich. And it's like, okay, fine that's like we give my life like no big deal but at least that's like food you know at Mm -hmm. least like yeah it might be cold cuts and bread a roll but it's I'm not gonna like snack and like I need meals Mm -hmm. flat out and I know that sounds so obvious but I don't think a lot of people like give themselves meals yeah um and and then this other component, which is the hardest part of my self-care, I'm like, I've always said this is movement. Mm-hmm. I need it. I feel better with it. I feel better about my body and my, my mind is clearer, but do I have the most resistance to it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like my natural tendency would to be like to lay on my ass <laughs> and it. No, it's true. Like, yeah. I just don't, I've never, like, I'm not particularly motivated to do it, to like get out. I'm not like the world's most athletic person. I danced for many years, but like, it's always going to be effort on my part, but yeah. that's just something I've learned because, for example, the air here, as you know, has been total crap. Yeah. <laughs> from all the fires. Yeah. Our AQI is very high right now and, um, poor, the Pacific Northwest is even worse. And I just feel so sad, but it's, it's been for a solid week higher than it's, it's in the very unhealthy range. Yeah. Um, when you look at the AQI every day. So it's like, don't go outside if you don't need to. And you can probably hear it in our voices a little bit too. Cause I know I've been really feeling it. Um, So I haven't been going on my typical like three mile walk, which I do at least five days a week. And I am like going a little crazy because of it. So I can see the results of not doing something that maybe I drag myself to do. Maybe I don't always feel motivated to do, but not doing it has a direct effect on my health. So those are the main components. I think it's like the food the movement, and then the spiritual practice have been my things. Well, and I think that's why it's like, as you were
0: talking, it reminded me of an experience I recently had where, again, this is a muscle we have to practice because like you said, you've been doing this now for so long that you can see the results when you don't do it. But um, I had an experience lately where I have a lot of change happening, great change, good change I'm so excited about, but I struggle with Anxiety. And um, so I'm just anxious. I'm an anxious person. And um, it can, I've, as I've talked about, it can affect my sleep. The other night, I had um, an experience where I was just up. Like I think I woke up at one and could not fall back to sleep. And I think the last time I looked at my clock was at 5 a.m. Just, you know, one of those nights where my mind was racing about again, even though it's so much exciting stuff is happening. It was like all my to-do list, all the things I have to do, all the things that could go wrong if I don't do it, you know, et cetera. And it's interesting because the next morning I woke up at, um, seven ish AM. Cause naturally like my body just can't sleep in. I wake up early and you know, my first thought was, oh, I just want to stay in bed, right? Like I just want to stay in bed and, and like sleep for a couple hours before I have to start my work day. But something inside of me, again, from this muscle I practice, and I even told Allie this, like that day, I was like, I got, up out of bed. And I went right to the room I chant in and I chanted for 45 minutes and I felt so much better. And I was tired and it wasn't something I quote, wanted to do, but something inside my body knew I needed to do it to take care of myself and deal with my anxiety. And that night after that, um, I did all of the self-care things that I had been neglecting. But that night, I realized that I hadn't been doing all those things I said that I needed to do. I hadn't been journaling. I hadn't been reading before bed. I hadn't been doing these things, taking my CBD that I know calms my mind. So that evening, what did I do? I journaled. I journaled about all my feelings before I went to bed. I took my CBD. I read you know, a fun book and a Buddhist book to get like a little bit of both. Not that Buddhist books aren't fun, but you know, I did like yeah. the spiritual study, and then I did my, you know, when life gives you Lululemons bubble gum for the brain study, um, and I slept, and I felt so much better the next day, right? So, but I was just—it was such an interesting experience for me because I couldn't believe when I woke up that morning that like my body literally was like, "Go chant, like go take care of yourself." And I think that's just from, especially the last six months, building that muscle of like, I have to take care of myself or it's not going to work for me or I'm going to emotionally eat. We, I talked about this in our last solo episode too in our Q&A. The only way that I can handle, because I am an emotional eater and I self-medicate with food, if I am not taking care of myself that's what happens. And again, I've learned, I also have to eat enough and eat satisfying meals at every meal. These are all things I have to do to set myself up to not self-medicate, essentially.
1: Um, Do you think, because part of what you talk about on courageous wellness and your own personal story is like a self-love journey. um, Do you think that cultivating self-care or actually practicing self-care, say cultivating a practice of self-care ultimately leads to self-love? I do.
0: I really do. I think, you know, it's interesting you ask this because I've been thinking about this a lot. And I think the three big components I think in self-love are absolutely finding what your personal self-care practice is, and then finding time to appreciate your life. I think appreciation is a huge component of self-love. Life is not perfect. It will never be perfect. I think struggle is the only thing we can count on, right? Pain and suffering is going to happen in life. Our Buddhist practice talks about there's four things in life, you know, four sufferings, birth, aging, sickness, and death. And we will all experience those things. We can't escape it. But there's so much to appreciate. There's so much to appreciate every day. And I think appreciation is a huge component of self-love. And the last part I think is taking care of other people. And I'm not talking about from a codependent way or a putting your needs aside way. But I think when we as human beings are always focused on me, 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 that's I think also when we suffer and that's when we're less happy because – we have to care about other people's happiness and we cannot be happy if the world around us or our community is suffering. And so I think sometimes like caring about other people could be, um, you know, finding a great GoFundMe and giving $5 to it. calling a friend that you know is suffering and and being there for them. Again, not in a codependent way, but in like a a real caring for other people way. Um, There's so many different things you can do, volunteering, donating your time, finding a food bank, finding things you like. But I think, again, I think it can be hard self-love sometimes, which is ironic because it's, again, this delicate balance, but you have to care and put yourself first and take care of yourself. But I do think caring about other people is a really big component in that too.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's, it's funny. Paul Rudd recently did a video about wearing a mask and it's like a, it's like a comedy video, but it was really funny because there's this one part he goes, caring about people is the new, not caring about people. I loved that. I love that.
0: I mean, it's so funny. I was just on the phone with somebody. I'm, I'm, having some work done in uh, my home. And it was so funny because we were talking, I was like, you're going to, you're going to wear a mask. Right. And um, they were like, of course I'm going to wear a mask. And I was like, okay, I'll keep you safe. You keep me safe. Right. And we'll keep yeah. a nice distance. And it was just such like a subtle moment, but that's what it's really about. Right. Like it's, it doesn't have to be donating thousands of dollars or volunteering all your time. It's just simple acts of care.
1: Yeah. That's what it is. So- Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with you. Well,
0: we hope this was helpful. And, you know, if you have any questions, you can always get in touch and I'm sure we'll continue to elaborate this on upcoming conversations as well.
1: Yeah. And, um, Erica and I have, you know, recently this year opened up our coaching practice. So we are available for integrative nutrition, um, coaching services and you can go to our website and check it out. We have different offerings. So, um, you know, we understand that people have different needs and different budgets. So if you're interested or that's something, you know, that interests you, if you have more questions, please feel free to reach out. Absolutely. Cause we can help and
0: we do help and work with clients, you know, not only on nutrition and fitness goals, but on self-love journeys and self-care journeys and, you know, just, the whole gamut of holistic health practices, you know, we can and, be your teammate.
1: <laughs> yeah. And typically they're all really connected. So, um, that's, you know, it's not, we don't believe in compartmentalization. We are one, one being. So a lot of that stuff is, um, is connected. So yeah, feel free to reach out if that's of interest to you on our website. We are net.
0: Yes. And next month, uh, we are going to have a really special solo episode um, with a special guest. So tune back for that. And yeah, we have a great October lineup for you. So thank you as always for listening and we'll be back next
1: Wednesday with a new episode. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week